0: Hey, good morning Church. I'm um, glad to be able to connect with you um, through the internet. Thankful for the technology to be able to do this even though it's super weird. Um, if you have been discouraged by the fact that we can't get together and you've been discouraged or, and, and weirded out by the fact that I just can only connect with people online or I can only connect through Facebook or whatever, um, I understand. I have had all of the same frustrations and it is very weird. Um, but I think it's important for us to continue to try to gather to try and connect in whatever ways that are possible, because the things that we practice become our habits so that the things that we're practicing now while we're in this social isolation. Um, Become the things that are going to be uh, habits that develop even after we get out of it. So I think it's important for us to remember to stay connected to each other as a church, um, because these these trying times really have a way of clarifying what we value. When uh, <laughs> when we come uh, when we come to a time that's that's difficult, or we come to a time that's trying. Um, our values, the things that we value really tend to separate really clearly. The things that are important come up to the top and the things that are not important go to the bottom. I think many of us learned how much we value toilet paper in, in, in this season. Um, but even even on more serious matters, what we value at, in diff- times of difficulty are, are things that um, uh, it becomes very clear what it is that we are valuing in our hearts. When times get difficult and things are, are scarce so um, as we are navigating one of those difficult times um, we're gonna start together exploring a new series um, and it's a new series of just asking who is this Jesus guy um, I think it's a really important question it's one that I think many of us ha- answer and have an answer for when if somebody were to ask us who is Jesus we would know kind of what we should say, Um, but we're going to look together and explore together a couple of passages of Scripture where where people are very distinctly asking this question, who is this Jesus guy? And the way that they answer the question uh, really... One says a lot about them, and two says a lot about what's going on in their world and and what's what's shaping. So I think it's going to be really really interesting time, and I want to to go ahead and just dive in together. Um, I'm going to be reading out of Luke chapter seven, and I'm going to begin in verse 18. And I just want to look at a couple of, uh, of verses to kick us off here. This 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 section and this um, the <laughs> the series is going to start off with with Real question coming from a guy that we're kind of already familiar with. Um, so it opens up in, in Luke chapter seven and verse eighteen. The disciples of John. So so these are these are people who have been following John the Baptizer and have become his disciples. They've been learning from him. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the man had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? This is just, just really, really fascinating to me, because we're already familiar with John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, um, and we know from our series in, that we called Setting Life in Order, that he was the guy that God prepared or used to prepare the way for Jesus to even begin his ministry. And and John was a guy who was born with a calling from his mother's womb. He he knew that he was set apart for something that God was going to do special with him. And, and God was faithful in leading him to be able to, to fulfill that calling. So John is preaching. He's preaching a baptism of repentance in the wilderness, and he's being faithful to God. And yet, He's looking around at things, and he's looking at his relative Jesus, the guy who he thought he was there to prepare the way for, and, and, and he's just, he's not quite sure. So he sends some of his disciples to Jesus and, and, and asks him, are you the one who is to come, or should we be looking for somebody else? And this is really striking to me, because obviously John is a guy who had, um, we might say, he had his act together. Um, And he had his religious bearings set towards God. He'd been following God for his whole life, even from when he was born. Um, And yet he's looking at Jesus. He's looking at the Son of God going, I don't think I am 100% confident that you're the one that I came for. So are you the one or should I be looking for someone else? really, as we open up this series and we're asking who is this Jesus guy, I mean, I feel like it's an appropriate place to ask, what doubts are you having about Jesus? We're, we're looking at a, an unprecedented time in history and, and things are confusing. And there's this um, air of anxiety around everywhere you turn, everybody's anxious. And I think that these are like beginning stages of grief. And we're not sure about what it is that we are grieving about yet and so we feel like we shouldn't be allowed to grieve and yet we're upset because there's this illness there's this threat there's this danger in the world and 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 it's just everything feels weird so what doubts are you having about jesus so as we're as we're coming back to my squeaky chair um As we're coming back, I I just would like to say it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have questions. Like these, these things are part of our process. If you didn't have doubts or you didn't have questions, you didn't have concerns about the things that were going on. Well, then you would already be God. You'd be um, the 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 fancy word is uh, omniscient you would already know everything. If you didn't have any doubts, you didn't have any questions, you would already know everything. And and only teenagers fall into that category of being omniscient. So for the rest of us, it's okay to have doubts and questions. Um, but there's a couple of different outcomes of our doubts and questions. And, and, and I want you to just be aware of them because there are times where when we give ourselves permission to have doubts and we give ourselves permission to have questions, um, then we can sometimes just camp out in those doubts and questions and never really pursue them, never really seek deeply for answers because we're just comfortable having the doubts. Um, and and if, you, if, 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 that's, uh, if it's a new idea for you, and just say that sometimes bitterness can be an outcome of, of just having unresolved doubts and unresolved questions. Um, you just grow bitter about the question in general and 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 just reject the whole system of thought in order to in order because there's there's this one thing that you're hung up on there's this one thing that you're just not quite sure sure about but um Bitterness might be an outcome, but also growth is an outcome of doubts and questions as you come to understand and you, and you find answers and resolutions to the, to the questions that you have as you grow to be able to accept the answers to the questions that you have. Um, then then that's really where growth happens so so we've got a couple of guys who've come to Jesus and are asking him are you the are you the Messiah are you the one that we're looking for or should we be looking for somebody else and and I think what Jesus responds is is absolutely fascinating so I'm in, in Luke chapter 7 and I'm gonna pick up there in, in verse 21 In that hour, so the guys come, and and they're asking this question, and, and Jesus, I guess, just ignores him, because in that hour, he healed many people of diseases, and plagues, and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight, and he answered them. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear the dead are raised up the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me so jesus responds and he says uh, um really like look at everything that's going on now our, our passage in, in in verse 18 chapter 7 verse 18 said the disciples of john reported all these things to him and we didn't talk about what these things were i hope that raised a, a, a yellow flag in your mind what 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 is he talking about these things he's actually talking about the verses before so in chapter 7 verses 1 through 17 jesus does a couple of things he uh, heals a gentile servant um and that was kind of outside the realm of what jesus had been doing he'd been primarily serving the jews and and being focused on them but the the person that he healed now was a gentile Um, and he also raised a widow's son from the dead so a widow's son had passed away that was her only means of survival and jesus comes upon the funeral and he touches the beer that they're carrying uh, the, the the dead body on the corpse and he raises the son back to life so so when jesus says um, go and tell john what you've seen and heard the blind receive their sight the lame walk lepers are cleansed the deaf hear the dead are raised up the poor have good news preach to them he's 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 saying like you've seen all these things you've heard all of these things these are the things that are going on and that brings us to our big idea for the morning um, the, the thing that i think jesus wants to grasp and as we're asking this question who is this jesus guy the big idea is this Jesus wants to be understood by what he does. Jesus wants to be understood by what he does. So so, so sometimes we have this idea um, that I am what I say, or I am the way that I identify myself as. The way that I present myself is the way that I want to be understood. Um, but Jesus <laughs> Jesus says, I want to be understood by what I am doing. So, so they ask... Um, So the disciples of John ask, are you the one who's to come, or should we be looking for another? And Jesus says, look at all the things that I'm doing. You know the scriptures. You know Isaiah 35, verses 4 through 8, which talk about how the Messiah is going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And you know about Isaiah 61, that that the good news is going to be preached to the poor and the captives. And so you're familiar with these scriptures. So you look at the things that I'm doing, and you tell me whether or not I'm the Messiah. Jesus wants to be understood by what he does. But apparently uh, the Messiah coming didn't look the way that John the Baptist thought that he would. He, he obviously has these doubts and he has these questions. Um, so if Jesus wants to be understood by what he does, I think it's important to ask the question and, and, and to have a discussion about it. What shapes our thinking about Jesus? What things shape our thinking about Jesus? So we'll take a few minutes and talk about it. What shapes our thinking about Jesus? We might've talked about um, cultural conversations, things that are happening in our culture, things that we see in entertainment, um, movies that we watch or or how Jesus shows up in TV shows that we might be familiar with. Those things can shape our thinking about Jesus. Also our traditions, the things that we grew up doing, um, nativity scenes. And, and our personal history with the church—all of these things can shape our thinking about Jesus. But I hope, my hope and prayer is that the Spirit of God will shape our thinking about Jesus as we interact with Him in the Scriptures. As we as we look at God's Word, the Spirit of God clarifies to us who Jesus is and what He was doing, um, and gives us clarity about who Jesus is and how we ought to think about Him. Um, and so. I hope that that will primarily be the way that our thinking is shaped about Jesus. Um, But we also need to be aware of and acknowledge that there are other things, even in our reading of the scriptures, there are things that that shape our thinking about Jesus. So if Jesus wants to be understood by what he does, we need to understand what it is that is also shaping our thinking about Jesus. So let's continue reading because uh, jesus has some interesting thoughts about john the baptist himself and about um, the ministry that he had going on in the world he says in verse 24 luke 7:24, when john's messengers had gone jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning john what did you go out into the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind what did you go out to see a man dressed in soft clothing When all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. So, so Jesus says, hey, what did, what did you guys expect from John? Like you guys went out into the wilderness, you went to the river to see a guy that was dressed in rough clothes, who was preaching in a, in a harsh manner. Um, What is it that you expected to happen? Um, Did you go out to see a prophet? Yeah, you went out to see a prophet. And not only is he a prophet, he's the prophet who came to prepare the way for the Messiah. He he, he is quoting from uh, Malachi chapter 3 there. And he's saying, the prophet came to prepare the way. John came to prepare the way for me, Jesus, the Messiah. And I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. John's the greatest dude that has ever lived, the greatest prophet that has ever lived. John's it. Um, Because John not only got to make the predictions about the Messiah coming, he got to see his prophecy come true. And for thousands of years, all of the prophets that had served God faithfully had had declared God's word faithfully and had never had the, the chance, the fortune, the blessing to be able to see those words come true. But John did. He got to see the word come true. He got to meet Jesus. He got to even ask Jesus his questions that he was wrestling with. So John is greatest in the kingdom, uh, or greatest among those born of women. Yet. One who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. The one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Not only do... I think he's saying here, um, for those of us who who are able to put our faith in Jesus, who are empowered by the Spirit of God to understand what it is that Jesus was doing at this unique time in history, um, we have greater perspective on the Word of God than, than any of the prophets in the Old Testament, even John the Baptist himself. And so we have... Great privilege of uh, of being able to understand and being able to seek God in the Scriptures and to be guided by His Spirit in those. And when the people heard this, the tax collectors and the people who had trusted John said, "Yeah, God is awesome. I can't believe God prepared the way for this. This is really really neat. I'm so excited for how God's moving because they had heard John's message and they had responded positively to it. Um, But the Pharisees and the lawyers had rejected God's purpose for themselves by not having been baptized by him. So they, they saw John out in the wilderness and said, man, this guy's, this guy's a weirdo. He's saying stuff that we don't like. He's really challenging our hearts. Like he's not just talking about the spiritual rituals that we can do, but he's, he's pointing to the heart issues behind the, the spiritual issues, the religious rituals that we do. And we're just not comfortable with that. I don't think we're gonna be baptized by him. And by rejecting John, they rejected God's purpose for themselves. Um, and this is, this is, like, as we're looking at the concept that Jesus wants to be understood by what he does, our, our inclination is to also be understood by what we do. But there's, there's a small danger there. Um, the, the danger of looking only at what one does, at what a person does, is that there can very easily be an attitude, a spirit of hypocrisy. Like, hey, don't don't do what I say, or don't do, or, or don't um, have the same attitudes that I have. Just do what I do. Like, it's 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 that idea of uh, of, of trying to get to church on a Sunday morning, and, and it's like we have fought tooth and nail, and we've been screaming at each other, and we've said ugly and mean things. But hey, we got to church, and we're clean, and we're here with a smile on our face, and we're gonna make it happen. Like, I'm not gonna turn the uh, I'm not gonna turn the webcam off to scream at you right now. <laughs> excuse me um, but we're all in this together all of our families are together we're all trying to, to do this new experiment together um, so so the danger of looking at one does is, is, is this hypocrisy the the Pharisees had really masked um, their distancing themselves from God by by rejecting what John was doing they, they rejected what John was doing but really they they were trying to mask that. I wanna do a religious thing, a religious ritual without having God get involved in my heart. Um, so how do we mask our distancing from God? There's, there's times where I think that we do this too. We try to distance ourselves from the heart work that God wants to do in us. Um, sometimes, uh, well, I won't give you any, uh, any ideas before we have the discussion. How do we mask our distancing ourselves from God? How do we mask our distancing from God? Um, we, We could mask our distancing from God, even with good things. We could mask that I don't want God to deal with my heart issues by going to church. Look, I'm at church every Sunday. Nobody has, I have perfect attendance um, up until this COVID-19 thing. I, I, I've had perfect attendance. I'm always at church. I'm always there. I sing the songs. I take a shower that morning. I smile at people, you know, like like I go to church. Like God, don't you don't have to deal with my heart for the rest of the week. You don't have to, to deal with the sin that's in me. You don't have to deal with the, the attitudes of anger um, I read my Bible every morning. Like I, I give you 15 minutes, God. Like, look at what I do. Um, but if you if you're reading the Word of God and and not letting it shape your your attitudes or your, your behaviors, if you're not letting it shape your heart, then you're really just masking. The fact that you're keeping a, a God at arm's length. You're keeping a distance from God. And and we can mask our our mask our distancing from God w- with selfish things. Um, we can mask it with uh, by using different substances that just kind of disengage us from what's happening in the world. Or we can mask our, our disengagement with God by distractions and entertainment that we f- have the ability to fill our lives with. There's so much streaming right now that we could, be, we could entertain ourselves to death. And those things can mask the fact that we're distancing ourselves from God and letting him get involved with changing our heart. Um, um, so yeah, Jesus wants to be understood by what he does. And I want to, to look at one last passage here together. He closes this interaction with John the Baptist's disciples in verse 31. He says, To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Um, I I love this passage. I think think it really clarifies the heart issue of, of what Jesus is driving at here as he is if Jesus wants to be understood by what he does, people are looking at what he does and say, look, you're 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 drinking wine and you're you're hanging out at the parties with tax collectors, you're calling tax collectors to be your disciples, you're spending time with sinners. Like what what are you what are you doing, Jesus? Like I thought you were the Messiah. And maybe these are the things that John also had trouble with because um, John comes and, and he fasts a lot and he doesn't eat bread and he doesn't drink wine and he spends his time out in the wilderness he's kind of a, a monk in a certain in certain ways and and so John's like Jesus what are you doing like you're supposed to be the Messiah you're supposed to be holy um, and you're holier than me so shouldn't you be holier than thou too um, so Jesus says look this is this is like kids that are in a fight um, I don't know if you've ever heard kids go back and forth but they have this amazing gift of of being able to just say no you aren't yes i am no you aren't yes i am no you aren't yes i am no you aren't aren't. yes i am forever like neither of the parties acknowledges that neither one can win if you're not willing to concede it and they'll just argue back and forth, not ever conceding. He says it's like it's like we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We we were happy for you and and, and you didn't ever dance with us. And and then we played a dirge and, and tried to, to weep with you, but you didn't weep with us. Kids just if kids don't want to be satisfied, they never will be. Um, I say as I can hear my kids screaming inside. I have no idea what's going on in there. Um, but, but Jesus points towards wisdom, he, and, and wisdom contains the freedom to express a divergence of different callings of God within moral boundaries. So, so Jesus is saying, look, I, we haven't stepped outside. Of moral boundaries Jesus hasn't sinned by spending time with the people that he's spending time with Um, they might call him a glutton and a drunkard but he he hasn't been drunk and and he isn't eating in excess he just is he happens to be spending time with people who are doing those things Um, but he's able to walk in the wisdom of how to how to do that and how to continue to honor God in doing that Um, and wisdom does contain this freedom uh, to express diverse callings of God within the moral boundaries. So, so John and Jesus had two different callings. God had different things in mind for their lives and, they, and it looked different as to what, it, what kind of life they were gonna live. John was gonna live this life of fasting and Jesus was gonna live this life of, of feasting and enjoying people. Um, and yet they both were within God's will and it's, it's wisdom, it's God's divine wisdom that allows the freedom within moral boundaries for people to live different kinds of lives. And and there's, there's times where we, as people who are in the church, or people who are religious and have religious views, um, we could say, like, if you don't look like me, then you must be morally wrong. And that's the argument that the people are making towards Jesus. You don't look like John, so you must be morally loose. Um, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Wisdom is justified by all her children. So, so there's there's a, a place for us to walk in this way, and there's a place to walk in this way. And as long as each of us is being faithful to the calling that God has for our lives, we're we're moving in the right direction. Um. So, so here's here's a question that has really been on my heart for the last two weeks as we've been going through um, this this crisis, and I think. Um, is really important to answer what things are essential to following Jesus what what is what is essential to following Jesus if, if there are some things that are non-negotiable some things that are negotiable, what things are essential to following Jesus <laughs> what things are essential to following Jesus um if I, if I could put it real simply just to condense it for time Loving God like having a a love for God and worshiping God in ways that are honoring to him I think is is the first thing love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind with all your soul and all your strength Um, and then love for other people Your love for God leads to a love for other people and these things loving God and loving other people are the essential um, things in following Jesus. He says these are the, great, the, the greatest commandment and the second greatest commandment. Um, these, things, these things are the things that are gonna define your life if you're gonna follow Jesus. Um, you're, you're dying to yourself, and you're living to serve others. Um, you're, you're, you're dying to yourself and acknowledging that you are not God. And you're, you're living to serve others acknowledging that you love God and you're gonna serve him and you love the people that are made in God's image And you're gonna serve them as well. That's I, those things at the very least. I think are essential there, there are other things um, Perhaps too, that have come up in our discussion um, But but I think those two things are the essential things that we ought not to miss So so the big idea for the morning is that Jesus wants to be understood by what he does He, he, he does a lot of teaching um, and that gives clarity and, and interpretation to the activities that he's doing. But, but ultimately, as, as, he, as we ask the question of who Jesus is, he must be understood by what he does. And what he does in this passage is he heals and he gives, he gives freedom and he preaches good news. Um, and he also grants space for wisdom to guide our feet and guide our footsteps.